So, hello my friends and welcome to the podcast. This is episode 36, which we're going to call Pentecost, the new way of the Spirit, because of course this is the week that leads us into Pentecost Sunday, when we're going to be thinking about the coming of the Spirit. So I thought it would be good to take a pause today and reflect on what that means and the implications of that for those who seek to follow after Christ and the difference that welcoming the Holy Spirit makes in our hearts. Of course, we read that story in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 2 is where it all begins to happen when the Spirit is poured out and the apostles see what seem to be like tongues of fire um, coming down towards them. They begin to speak in the language of the Spirit and they are empowered to live out the experience of walking with Christ. Now, of course, the Apostle Paul was not amongst those first apostles, as we know. His experience comes a little bit later in the book of Acts when he's on his way to Damascus, and he has this dramatic encounter with the risen Jesus. And that encounter is what turns him from a radical pursuer of the Church of Christ, determined upon its silencing and destruction, to an advocate of the Church of Christ and to somebody who becomes the prolific church planter of the age as he establishes these Christian communities all away around Asia Minor. And it's to one of those Christian communities, the community that finds itself in Ephesus, that Paul writes a letter. It's a letter that's known by the scholars not to have been written specifically and intently just for them, but is regarded more as a circular letter. That is a letter that finds its way into the congregation and then is passed around the Christian communities from one to the next as they all read out loud the letter that Paul has written to them. It's one of his principal letters. It's a letter that's been studied for time memorial down the generations as people have sought to glean on the wisdom that is contained within the words that Paul writes to the church at Ephesus. And it's to that letter that we're going to refer just for a little while today as we unpack Pentecost, the new way of the Spirit. Now, Paul never got to visit the church at Rome. At least that's our sort of understanding. And, well, let's say he never founded the church at Rome. Um, But he he did write a a comprehensive letter to that church. And in Romans chapter 7, verse 6, he writes, But now by dying to what once bound us, we have been released from the law, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. Now, it's worth our time digging into the book of Romans itself, of course, not that we've got that time today, unpacking it from, let's say, chapter 5 through to chapter 8, where Paul talks about this new way of the spirit and how that impacts us and how it works out. He digs deep into theology, deep into the understanding of the way of the Spirit as he works in our hearts and lives. 
But my attention today is to focus on some verses that come out of the book of Ephesians looking here and there through the six chapters that are contained within it to extract from that some of the important aspects in terms of our own understanding as we glean upon and consider the way of the Spirit. So here we are digging into a letter that's a circular letter that finds its way working around the churches in Asia Minor. Um, it has this principle agenda if you like of of enabling the believers to truly discover who they are in Christ Jesus but also to grasp what it means to live in the life of the spirit and to have a deeper understanding of the actions and the activity of the spirit in our lives let's make a start here Ephesians 1 verse 13 through 14 speaks as I see it to the issue of security. This is what he says. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. This really speaks to the issue of security. It's rather like you and I, we may go and visit a store, not at the moment of course, but we'd go and visit a store, we'd see a new settee, a three-piece suite that we liked, and what we'd do is we'd put a deposit down against that purchase, which would act as a guarantee that the three-piece that we wanted would become ours because of the deposit that had been exchanged. It, if you liked, put a security upon that action or that transaction. And this is what Paul is saying to us here. Uh, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal. That's the ancient Roman seal, of course, that he has in his mind. When he's saying that, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit, guaranteeing our inheritance. So whatever is still to come, whatever lies ahead of us and our eye has not seen, or our ear heard, nor have we been able to comprehend what God has got in store for those who love him. That's what he writes to the church at Corinth. This inheritance that speaks to the future stands in our lives as guaranteed because the Holy Spirit acts as a deposit of what is yet to come. It speaks to the security that we have within our relationship with God. And what an amazing thing this is. What an amazing truth for you and I to grasp, to meditate upon, to consider, to reflect over that God has put the security of this deposit in our hearts. And what is that security? It is the promise of the Holy Spirit. We have that security. Paul goes on to write just a few verses after actually verses 15 through 19 of chapter 1. Now, for this reason ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people I have not stopped giving thanks for you remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ and the glorious Father 
may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. When we get to this section, the, the framing thought in my mind as we play around and consider these verses has to do with understanding. This idea that the Holy Spirit is the spirit of revelation. He gives us the ability to see things which otherwise would be disclosed from us. He is the enlightening one. Yes, he is the enabling one. He's the empowering one. But the Holy Spirit is the enlightening one. I keep asking. That's what he does. He keeps asking. Paul's persistent prayer for these people in Ephesus and in indeed the Christians around Asia Minor is he keeps asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give to them the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they may know him better. Know who? Well, that's the Lord Jesus. The Spirit's job is there to give us a greater revelation of the glory and the wonder and the majesty of the risen one. And so let's pray that in this Pentecost season, as we're moving in and through the time of thinking of the coming of the Holy Spirit, may you, Holy Spirit, come into our hearts afresh and may you give us uh, this wisdom and revelation. May the spirit of wisdom and revelation be yours and mine today as we continue to develop our understanding, this ever-knowing, ever-growing understanding of just who God is as revealed in the person of Christ. Paul jumps further in Ephesians 2, 21 through 22. The framing concept here in my mind is to do with dwelling. Ephesians 2, 21, in him... The whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We are that temple. God is not dealing with bricks and mortar. He's not establishing temples here or there. He's establishing a living body of people who are following the resurrected Christ and who are being built into a temple of living stones in which God dwells by his Holy Spirit. This is the new way of the Spirit. This is the way that God's Spirit is at work in our world today. We don't build churches out of bricks and mortar. We don't build temples out of vast stones or magnificent architecture. As beautiful and as wonderful as all of those things can be, 
You are God's living stone, and so am I. And collectively, we are being built into the temple of the living God in which he lives by his spirit. Think tabernacle in the Old Testament. Think temple of David, temple of Solomon. Think those temples, but now those temples have been taken down and a new temple of living stones has been established in the new way of the spirit and god dwells in us and works through us and so let us consider the indwelling nature of god's holy spirit in our lives moving further into the book as we just flip over these verses and build hopefully a, a better understanding for ourselves of what it means to live in the new way of the spirit issues to do with security to do with revelation and understanding to do with indwelling god is with us and to do with strengthening ephesians three sixteen through 17 i pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. We're strengthened with power through his spirit in our inner being. Though outwardly we may be wasting away, Paul said in one of his letters, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. We are being strengthened within the inner person. Strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being and i don't know about you but i would want to give testimony to the reality of this experience that even when times are difficult and challenging and hard when we are looking at maybe the answers that we desire aren't in front of us that even in those dark and difficult and challenging times we can be strengthened with the power of his spirit in our inner being and this is really important for us to grasp and understand and to enter into and that would be my encouragement to all of us today to to see the work of the holy spirit experientially uh, not simply educationally we're not trying to learn educational lessons here what we're trying to do is to enter into the experience of the spirit by security understanding his indwelling and now his strengthening and so let's take a moment to ponder and reflect on what does it mean to be strengthened when times are difficult what does it mean to be strengthened when the news that we wanted to be good news isn't good news but it's actually bad news what does strength look like in those moments well again paul this great author and orator of the faith reminds us that when i am weak even then i am strong because his grace is sufficient for each of us and so may we all of us draw on the strength and the goodness and and the grace of god ephesians 4 29 through 32 takes us to this idea of living do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen and do not grieve the holy spirit of god with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption 
and get rid of all bitterness and rage and anger and brawling and slander along with every form of malice and be kind and compassionate to one another forgiving each other just as in Christ Jesus God forgave you. This is for all of us where the rubber hits the road isn't it where the life of the spirit really has traction in our hearts because this is not about theorizing this is about walking it's about living in the new way of the spirit and this impacts us on the good days and the bad days when things were going just as we'd like them to and on the days when well it's not going like we'd desire at all but it's in the context of that gamut of emotions that the holy spirit is with us to empower and to enable our living and the exhortation here is not to grieve the Holy Spirit. Um, Paul's giving us this this understanding that there is some choice involved in this that we need to be intentional about the way that we live and walk and talk so that we don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom we were sealed for for the day of redemption and so may God empower you and me to to live in the way of the Spirit as we walk day by day. And then finally in this just brief traveling across um, the chapters or some of the chapters of the book of Ephesians we come to Ephesians 5 18 through 20. And this has to do with infilling. This is about getting to that place where, where God fills us with his life and fills us with his power. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, he says. But instead, be filled with the Spirit and speak to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's set in the present ongoing tense in the Greek is this first verse. So we could read it in this way. Instead, let us go on going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I think that present continuous tense is important for us to grasp because there's not a week or a day that goes by really when we don't need to avail ourselves of the infilling power of the life of God's Spirit as we walk with him. And maybe at this time you are feeling low, fatigued, perhaps a little bit fearful or worried or anxious. Or maybe it's just a good season for you and, and good seasons bring their challenges, don't they, in our walk with Christ? Because when things are going well, we, well, I have to make my own confession to say that sometimes instinctively I can think of God less and see less need for that consistent coming to him for the infilling power of of his spirit it's it's obvious to me when my heart is anxious when the days are dark when life is difficult that i need to come to god for a greater infilling but what on the what what about on the days of distraction that the days when things are actually okay in fact good um 
How am I living my life with Jesus at those times? How am I seeking to be filled with the Spirit then? Because the challenge is that if I don't seek to be filled with the Spirit, then my life is simply compounded with the flesh. And so I must lay all of those things down in order that I might be a vessel that God can fill to overflowing with his love and his grace and his peace. And for sure, that's what he wants to do. How do we know that's what he wants to do? Well, that's what Pentecost teaches us. That's what this season reminds us, that he comes to pour out his spirit and to pour that spirit into our lives so that we can continue to follow after him. So as we move towards Pentecost, I trust that your experience of God's spirit would be good, that you would be both infilled and empowered by his love, his goodness and his grace, and that you would come to him and draw deeply from the well of his bounty and that your life would be filled with his love, his goodness, his grace and his spirit. Pentecost, the new way of the Spirit, is the way that we're called to live. And may we, through the insight of Paul in this letter, build our lives around the idea of security, understanding, dwelling, strengthening, living and infilling. And may his grace and power fill you today afresh as you call upon him. How do we do that? Well, we do that simply by opening up our hearts, inviting God to come, and he will fill us. Jesus said, if you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will our Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And so, my friends, may you and I be filled with the life of the Spirit. And until next time, may grace and peace be with you.